This is The President's Neck is Missing. Your quasi-intellectual guide through today's modern world with host Rurik Yakel and special guest Neo Guevara. Warning, language, content, listen at your own risk. Here now is Rurik Yakel. <laughs> Good evening, everybody. I am Rurik Yakel. This is The President's Neck is Missing. Finally, 2021, be kind, please rewind. I want to apologize to everybody uh, in the last couple of weeks. Uh, we have been on hiatus. However, uh, saying this forward, we will be a lot more committed to giving you guys your weekly podcasts uh, that you have been missing and probably not really giving a fuck. But the point is, we just have to put a better effort in and Always with me, the greatest man outside of Bernie Sanders, and that meme, Neil Guevara. I've also, uh, I'm also inside Bernie Sanders. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't want to get political in this show, uh, particularly, but uh, Neil, thanks for joining us to, tonight. You brought uh, up Bernie Sanders. Yeah, I know. I did. Uh, be kind. Please rewind. Uh, it has been a while since we, we've done this. Um, and 2021 has uh, not failed to disappoint most of us with the outcome. However, amongst 2021, um, I think we could find some common ground uh, between all of us in the show of Cobra Kai. And tonight, President's Neck is Missing, the Be Kind, Please Rewind. We want to discuss the mythology of the Karate Kid movies and the sensational hit of Cobra Kai. Uh, incidentally, the uh, show initially premiered on YouTube. Uh, it was uh, on their um, Red 2 format until Netflix uh, picked it up for season three. I uh, initially saw the first two episodes on YouTube and I thought it was cute. Um, having said that, it was until I decided to embark on the full three season journey and really became the best part of 2021 so far for myself uh, and the Karate Kid mythology. So tonight... We want to discuss the Cobra Kai, the Karate Kid, the mythology, Ralph Macchio, and William Zapka, and how all this came together, and Neil Guevara and I were going to dissect it. What do you say, Neil? I like dissections. Hey, what, uh, how, did you, how did you first hear about, like, how did you come upon, uh, upon Cobra Kai? Uh, I just read it through some entertainment news that uh, before anything had happened with it, that it was in talks, it was in works, people were discussing it. Um, and when I had heard about it, I it didn't even sound like when I had heard about it that Ralph Macchio was even involved in it. It sounded like a, a complete spinoff that didn't even like include him. Um, and then eventually... I just stopped paying attention, didn't hear anything about it, and then saw it, saw it on. Uh, I, no, you know what? When it was on, when it was on uh, YouTube, I tried to watch an episode, and I was just like, eh. Like I think 
because reboots and, and everything that gets redone and modernized, they they try to make it like hard hitting and like more realistic right. and like I think for myself, I didn't know what tone they were going for. I only that's, watched that's of the first of the first season and I sorry to interrupt, I just wanted to also yeah. jump on that. And I wasn't quite sure the tone they were going. I think I literally watched the first episode and I didn't hate it. But I also found that the YouTube format, um, it, it, like I, I had to watch it on my phone. And and I also couldn't tell if it was tongue in cheek or almost it almost felt at the time that it was um, a commercial for um, like I was waiting for something to be sold to me. <laughs> Kind of like that's how I felt anyway. I was waiting for some sort of um, tie-in to some sort of like you know leisure car or uh, you know uh, luxurious car. So ShamWow, like uh, or just like you know Lincoln. Yeah, like I when when I when I when I saw it, I was like, I this just seemed hokey to me. Um, the the expectations that I like I, and it wasn't that I had any expectations, but when you're like Cobra Kai, it sounds like it's going to be badass, and it's like a dark, a dark version. Um, so when I had first watched like the first 10, 10 minutes, I think is all I all I lasted on the first episode. It didn't fulfill what I had thought was going to be like this dark, violent side of Cobra Kai. I didn't even know what era it was going to be in. I didn't know who was going to be involved in it. Is it like Crease uh, in the early days? He's young and like just some crazy shit kicking asshole. Like I had no clue. So I thought it was really hokey. And then I forgot about it. And I guess that would have been back in what, 2018 um, when season one first came out. Yeah, that's about right. And then, um, and then I saw it pop back up on Netflix, I think on in 2019. And I didn't give it a try. I was like, ah, whatever. And then it wasn't until, I don't know, three months ago, two months ago where I started like, uh I gotta be okay, honest I, with you. This is for just for uh, all our listeners. It was uh, I'll be honest. Neo and I uh, obviously communicate all the time, and we were. Uh, this would have been at the end of December, close to January, when uh, Neo reached out and he says, "Hey, man, I'm gonna have to be honest with you. I got a guilty pleasure here right now, and I, I, I'm gonna be. I just wanted to be forward because you know it's killing some time, and I'm finding this very intriguing. And I said, "Yeah, sure, man. Like, just shoot. Like, what are you watching?" And Neo says, uh, "Um, watching Cobra Kai." To which I responded with a screenshot because I was already in <laughs> in the same. I was I was like six episodes into the first season, and I said, "Don't feel guilty. I'm I'm in it as well, sir." So well, I love really the fact that I felt this. It, there was like there's a hokiness to the show, um, but I love the fact that you like, you were like, "Hey, man, I, should I do we say this out loud?" <laughs> Because it's corny and it's cheesy and it's definitely obviously designed for primarily for what I would say is a younger audience. But then it also does a really good job of making up the original fan base going back to the original films. But what I what I really felt guilty about was how bad I want to bone Mary Mouser. I, I was like, this is a 17 year old girl. You have a problem. And then I Googled and I'm like, no, she's 24. You're safe, buddy. Safe. Yeah, you're safe. Uh, so I, great lead in. Uh, so tonight. Uh, I want I want to touch upon the Karate Kid uh, aspect of of the '80s and those movies, the the goods and the bads of it, and and what I think personally, Cobra Kai did right, 
and what Cobra Kai did wrong, which was nothing. And, and, uh, and yeah, no, we're not we're, we're not that diehard. And I know you're going to say the same. There's a lot of um, so tonight. I want to just talk. Let's just start with Karate Kid One. Um, yeah. 1984. Uh, everyone knows the story. I'm not going to bore you with all that, you know, Ralph Macchio, blah, blah, blah. Um, that movie, uh, what I found fascinating about that movie, and I, I watched it as a kid. I was 10 years old when I when I saw that movie. And uh, it's that's a movie that still holds up very well. The story is great. The cinematography actually is is pretty awesome. There's really, really beautiful epic shots throughout that um the whole beach um you know seeing like the crane kick learning about the crane kick it's epic it's gorgeous it's monumental uh then you've got the music man that that movie that film that blew up up cruel summer cruel summer would not have been as because it was already huge it bridged the gap it crossed the water um, because it was already huge in the UK and it hadn't made its way to North America yet. And then when they featured it in that film, everyone was like, oh, my God. And next thing you know, it's on the top 40 charts like a week later. The, uh, the, the movie is uh, so it was directed by uh, John G. Avildsen. Uh So incidentally, he was the Academy Award winner for the movie Rocky. And I found that interesting because um, there are basically elements from Rocky karate kid. Um, this is basically somebody that is, um, an unknown. You're, you're basically fighting against an element, uh, that you feel is bigger than you. And, uh, you know, he does a, he does a very strong job. And I feel that the movie really is sound, only sound as much uh, from uh, Pat Morita as uh, Mr. Miyagi. Totally. Uh, that, uh, I, I can't, I can't stress enough of the importance of uh, a uh, beautiful man. And uh, more importantly, uh, just what he brought to, uh, to that character. Um, what I think is crazy is how close we were to not having him as uh, Mr. Miyagi. He had to fight tooth and nail to uh, actually finally get a reading for the part. When he got the reading for the part, the dude was against it. Just dead set. No, can't, won't have him as Miyagi. Not going to have him as Miyagi. I guess he never even took a look at him. Never even really gave him much of a shot. Didn't want to do a reading for him because he had already had who he wanted in his mind's eye to be Miyagi. And then... That guy doesn't work out. They're on set one day, and I I can't remember what happens, but in the background, there's Miyagi uh, standing there, (laughs) just standing there. I don't even think he was reading anything. And the guy's like, who's that guy? That guy's our Miyagi. And they're like, yeah, that's that's Pat Moriarty. Pat Morita, yeah. Pat Morita. And they're like, he's like, Oh, like, like this is, this is the guy who's been screaming at you. Like, this is like my role. I can do this, play this part, play this part. And he did, because he was a comedian. That's how, that's how Marita was known back then. Well, and, and, so and every, he was also in the TV show, Happy Days. Well, he, well was he? That's right. Was he? The, Absolutely he was. He's the, uh, he's the original. He, he was, he was Arnold. <laughs> that's awesome. But he was also yeah. a comedian, right? So he was known to be like this funny man. So they, he didn't think that he would be able to pull off this 
kind of quiet, you know, traditional Japanese, you know, soft-spoken, mild-mannered kind of a role because of how animated and comical the guy is. Plus, he doesn't have a Japanese accent at all. He was born in California. He speaks perfect English. He's got no Japanese accent. So then when he finally, like, catches a reading in the background or whatever, and he's like, who who was that? He's like, yeah, that's that's the guy who's been screaming at you. And then that's what sold him on the part. It was literally basically like a, a fluke. It was It was kind of a chance that he happened to actually – for that split second, pay attention to to Marita's reading or portrayal, and was like, okay, we're sold. And then, yeah, then he brings this whole awesome philosophy. Um, he's the human Yoda, man. He's he's literally the fucking live action right. Yoda, right? Um, the thing with uh, and the Karate, obviously, the Karate Kid uh, blew up. It was uh, in a you know a, a big a big film uh 84 uh, i mean even myself decided to take on karate because i was bullied and thought hey maybe this will actually solve all my <laughs> bullying issues i was just too lazy i just didn't have it in me um but it did take off a craze of of people that like it um kind of set up a wave of uh karate being uh, a, a big uh proponent it definitely resurged it because yeah. i have like the 70s was a huge kung fu fu uh influence in theater and everyone was like oh kung fu kung fu is awesome because the big martial art films started to boom over from asia into america and you had bruce lee bridging the gap and then everyone's you know back in the cinema days you had these triple features of kung fu movies that you could go see for dirt cheap and so everyone fell in love with it and then that all died down and martial arts wasn't that big of a thing and then yeah karate kid comes out and then you 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 can see after that actually in the 80s, a resurgence of just martial art films. All You have B-rates. you got American Ninja. You've got there's just all these cheesy, shitty franchises popping out of the woodwork. Suddenly, you know, Van Damme's an international star. And you've got, like, these Bloodsport films and Kickboxer. And it literally, I think it, it, it started a martial art movie craze again. It reinvigorated it. For sure. You know, one of the interesting things about uh, Credit Kid 1, here's my, I'll only give one negative. I, I don't have a lot in, in the first movie. And we'll we'll get down the, we'll go down the line later on about how I felt about the the sequels. Um, it, it's, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I never, I never believed that uh, Daniel LaRusso could beat any of those guys. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> like, he doesn't have the build, right? I, they're everything about and look, Ralph Macchio. I'll, I res, I respect, but the I love of that, right, great, but it's it's a hard sell. It's a hard sell in that movie for sure. But like, I also I also understand why they did that. It was to show you that you didn't have to look the part, like that martial arts could give you this confidence and ability that you could be the lonely, skinny, outcast, loser kid and still be able to rise up and, and overcome adversity. And so I get why they played it. But yeah, when you when you look at him and you compare him to a Johnny, even even just the intensity levels, look at Johnny's energy when he squares off when it's like round one and then you look at daniel Russo, who's like he's scared and crouched up he's totally shitting his pants right. you can't win a fight shitting your pants like that <laughs> so um it's interesting you know it was about uh two to three years later that uh karate kid 2 came out which is interesting about that is that they took it only six months after the first karate kid that's right so it's a small timeline, but 
the gap actually in in terms of uh, our, our, I guess our timeline, our fashion sense is is three years. So the the obviously Karate Kid two came out, and I think this is where. And again, John G. Alvinson um, actually uh, directed this again, the Academy Award winner of Rocky. Oh, and Rocky five, by the way, it's interesting. Um, but this time, this is six months after the competition. Uh, Daniel and Mr. Miyagi go back to Okinawa, Japan. Uh, obviously, uh, Mr. Miyagi is uh, going to see his alien father, um, and they end up in pretty much almost the same scenario they did in the first movie. And this is where criticism comes in. Now, first, I liked Karate Kid 2. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I don't have a lot of I don't have a problem per se, but, but they do, this is where it kind of gets into formulaic, um, I guess, presentation of how the storyline went. And, and I say that because I'm going to lead into why I think Cobra Kai, the Netflix series um, fixes that problem. So first when I say, Karate Kid 2 um, basically reiterates the same uh, – it's the same program, same formula. You know, it's these two, again, uh, presented with an uh, obstacle. Um, <laughs> Daniel LaRusso is taught a w- one new fighting move, climax. Yeah. And, 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 and he runs into the same, like, same kind of bullying – uh, same kind of same kind of formula. They get into town. You know, he's dealing now with the the, the Okinawa uh, bullies, and 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 it kind of goes from there. It is a slower movie because of the um, they put a lot more attention to Mr. Miyagi and his uh, relations with his father and the people he left behind. But go ahead, Neil. Um, see. The two, I think, is really awesome because without two, um, you don't have the knuckle through the car windows scene. You don't have the like, (laughs) right? And and and, and not that that's a good scene. Like it's cheesy and it's horrible and it doesn't make any fucking sense whatsoever. Um, (laughs) Like it's just it's really hokey, but it's an epic scene. It's one of the most memorable, um, notable scenes in the karate kid franchise. It's a silly, it's a silly scene, but, but I know what you're saying. I, it, I, it, I, I don't, cute. I don't hate this. I don't hate the scene, but I hate I, how I, they did it. But, hate, that's but, a well point, sir. But they, they, they show you a different aspect. So the way that the first one ends, you're, you're left thinking differently. And then the way the second one begins, you're going, Oh, wow. And you see the actual, you know, falling apart of Crease and his relationship now with Johnny and even the rest of the students and then Miyagi handling business in a really <laughs> fucking nonsensical way. Um, and in that scene, I just, I, I just hated the fact that in that scene, you know, like as he smashed through Crease, uh, his fists go through car windows that he basically he like fell to his knees looked at another guy and was like, I guess that's it for me. <laughs> yeah. The war veteran, the war veteran. Just And, and, and I'm, I, I'm shitting on it because that's how he became a POW. I get it now. Yeah, no, he, I, I shit on it because it's funny, but I think uh, again, um, we're just talking about era, right? We're it's just, 
Yeah, for sure. But and, I mean, and, and also, and also, it's also where they didn't establish where the characters are going to go after that. So, I'll, I'll, it's permissible. It's permissible. I just like how it's a good setup um, as far as just closing off some characters and then moving beyond that. And then, I mean, you can look at it as a reiteration of the first, but it is a different storyline. They've changed the environment. Um, it's not a tournament. It's a fight to the death that isn't even an orchestrated one. It's a hijacking of a fucking peaceful event that turns into a forced fight to the death. And the bullies aren't any like there's actually the reason there's reasons for the bullying. Daniel's not just some, you know, babe in the woods in this situation. I mean, he is because Miyagi's brought him there without any knowledge of past fucking transgressions. But it's not like he's in high school and it's like there's this expectation of him to be picked on the way that they arrive in Okinawa. You don't even really see the trouble and there's hints there coming on, you know, until it actually happens and Sato is introduced as his, you know, arch nemesis. And then that story envelops. So I, I mean, the third one, if anything is, is, is the most um, like reiteration, you know, but I think, I think, I think, I think two gets a bad rap. I think two is better than people give it credit for. And when you're looking at things that were monumental about the film and that had a lasting impact, again, the opening scene with the car through the punching through the car windows, um, the ice chopping, the ice block scene is another huge, epic, memorable scene from, you know, the 80s. You've got the song, The Glory of Love. That was a mega hit um, in its day. And then you've got the end battle scene, which was a funny play on the opening scene of the film with the, you know, live or die honk honking of the nose, which was another epic. That was a known, known notor- you know, thing of notoriety. Yeah, I, I, I will say this, uh, the, the fight to the death. Uh, never uh, from a cinematic uh, viewership, uh, you never felt that any of these guys were even close to death. <laughs> uh, and look, I, I'm just, I'm just, I, I Daniel love looks like he's I, close to death in every single situation. I, I love Teen Off on a on, a, on a, an 80s movie that we can look back today. I, I'm not saying it didn't hold up well then. I just saying that we're looking at it from fresh eyes, and I, th- I think the scene where you know he he's learned um you know the the dr- the drum uh you know yeah, symbiotic he right and and, and, but, the, and even, but even the fight at the end when he learns that he's the drum and 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 the fight is terribly framed and it i is. don't even, and i don't even know how chosen the 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 kid that he's fighting is accepting any of this without putting his hands up. <laughs> so like, you came to a fight to the death to just stand there and take a beating, right? But I also like how he can kick through like solid concrete statue, but then when he punches Daniel, it's just like a nosebleed. You notice that <laughs> like, these guys are chopping through six blocks of fucking four inch ice. They're fucking kicking through concrete slabs. But then when they punch each other, they get a nosebleed. Right. Well, they just, I guess they're just not really centering themselves. Miyagi style. And I, and I totally agree. They're, both like, they're, tough. they're tougher than ice and rock. The, the movie makes or the trilogy, I guess, if you will, takes an interesting turn in 
part three. And I guess this is where my highest criticism comes in. Um, also, I just want to say, did you not love the song Glory of Love? Because Peter, from Peter Cetera? Yeah, because who doesn't love Chicago? And like in Peter Cetera is basically Chicago. I mean, you can't hear that song and not just be like, oh, my God. Like, it's just you're instantly nostalgic, right? Like, it's just that song is fucking epic. It's a ballad. Uh, no, absolutely. I know. Yeah, I don't think anyone would think Peter Cetera and Chicago are not synonymous with each other, right? I mean, well, some people. I, I hear, I hear, I hear, I hear Peter Cetera singing, and it's you're just Chicago. Well, no, I hear so, Gloria of Love. I hear Chicago totally. Like I don't hear uh, Peter Cetera. Uh, right. well, I mean, I hear Peter Cetera. <laughs> he's um, the the third movie is what's interesting to me because it's really where I think this is I the highest criticism. This is where I think. John, again, John G. Alvinson did this movie as well. And I found that fascinating because he did all three movies. And I don't think they learned, um, I guess, the... I guess my part problem was there was... they If they knew there was going to be three movies, or maybe they didn't. But the point is, there was no growth between the first and the third. It, it, it's a, it was formulaic again. And it almost contradicted Mr. Miyagi's teachings. What's interesting about it is um, outside of the overacting um, <laughs> uh, by what was the Mr. Silver? Thomas Ian Griffith. Tom, Silver. Tom, Terry Silver. Thomas Ian Griffith. Are you? Yeah. You're right. You're right, sir. Uh, and thanks for that, Neil. Um, there's a lot of criticism about he's a bad actor and, and I, and I wouldn't go that far. I wouldn't go that far. However, I will say that in, in the particular scenes um, prior to him meeting uh, uh, Daniel, I would say that there is an overreach, an evil maniacal person that doesn't need to go as far as he did. In, especially in the, um, when, uh, when Crease, says to him make their knuckles bleed, knuckles bleed yeah and uh his response you know you only do it better than most <laughs> i like it i like it johnny i'm gonna make his knuckles bleed yeah i like it <laughs> that's better than most and i i just I had a comment on that scene because you and I have had this discussion about that particular actor and that particular scene. And I'm not against, I'm not against uh, that. What they were trying to do as a, I guess um, the evil villain in this movie, but he weighed more when he really was just trying to manipulate uh, Daniel and Mr. Miyagi and on the uh, more on the, I guess the, the lore form that I guess that he's guess better. He's better sinister than as some sort of um, unhinged, lunatic, unhinged guy. Like he's better, right. he's better at being sinister, calculating, and and menacing that way. Um, the whole like it was like watching Nicolas Cage in Vampire Brooklyn or something like that. Like. <laughs> That was a very Nicolas Cage performance it's in some totally scenes. Um, I, 
I never liked the I never liked the the storyline. Um, I'm not against the storyline. I didn't like how they sold it that um, Daniel was, I guess, the storyline failed because they wanted Daniel to sign off on a, the, the tournament to defend his title. His and vampire kiss, by the way. Sorry, I said vampire Brooklyn. I had to correct that, myself. Well, I knew I was that's, a, that's okay, vampire kiss. Um, <laughs> I didn't like that, the fact that Daniel was trying. To, he didn't want to defend his title, and and he was being bullied to do so, to the point where they actually wrote in. I, I guess a really, I, I think a, a terrible scene where um, he's mountain climbing, and and they got him by the fucking short and curlies. <laughs> and the only way they'll pull him up is if he signs the paper. And so he does, and he feels that he's bound by it. And by the way, this uh, Karate Kid 3 came out in like 89. Yeah. So we're, we're a little smarter than we were in 84. So he signs the paper, and, and, and they, you know, they draw him up, and Daniel doesn't have the foresight to go. Well, that's just a piece of paper. What do I give a fuck? I'm not fighting. <laughs> I like it, the the bullying scheme seemed weird. And the whole look, put it this way: the whole the whole scheme of this operation is hinged upon Mr. Miyagi not going to train Daniel Larusso <laughs> for this fight. But see, to, to just it was, released, it was released in '89. But you have to remember that the movie still takes place in '85, so they're still thinking '85. <laughs> That's a really good point. I want to keep everybody in mind. This is your know, I, I, Neo. Thank you for saying that. The movie starts off with them coming home from Okinawa, Japan, and unless these two assholes had just spent the last four years. <laughs> Like in Okinawa, Japan, we're only assuming that it was a couple of weeks. Yep, and because the, the the he's defending the reigning the reigning title, he won the title in eighty four. So this is the this eighty five the Valley eighty five tournament. So this you're, is you are very right, sir. Nineteen eighty nine, but no, it's actually nineteen eighty five, and they don't do a very good job of making that transparent to the audience whatsoever. You know what's interesting also about uh, Karate Kid Three that I found fascinating. Well, is like, the... I mean, they, they do, but they you don't you you lose it in the story, and it isn't until like you're back at the end of it when you're like looking at it, like oh, eighty five. The, the tournament, yeah. the tournament side says it's nineteen eighty five. Yeah. What did what did you what did you think? Uh, I'll, I'll throw something at you. What did you think of the love interest in Karate Kid Three? Um, I'll I'll tell you this. Um, that was useless because it wasn't even a love interest. It was completely unnecessary. He was friend zoned from the moment he said hi. And then they fight. They use macaroni to fight bad guys. It's just like. like... She, right. They, they literally wrote in a character that said, by the way, I have a boyfriend. Which you could in the movie, you could and go, she's leaving maybe. like the next and, day or something. Right. Like, and and then later. they actually, so you think, okay, she's got a boyfriend, but maybe that changes. But then they also wrote in the fact that she's actually moving. And, and they also she, wrote in her throwing a bowl of macaroni at attackers. And I was like, this is amazing. It's a food fight movie, too. Like, the whole thing was useless. Like her involvement literally made every every scene with her in it that much more hokey. 
So you've got right. the scene where he's getting bullied and they're eating macaroni together. Well, guess what? They wouldn't be eating macaroni together if that chick wasn't involved in the film. And then there wouldn't be a corny scene of someone trying to use a bowl of macaroni to defend themselves against it. Even though it was just a quick throw, it's still like, why is there mac? Like, I remember that standing out to me as a kid. I'm like, they're eating macaroni. Because what kid doesn't love fucking macaroni, especially in 1989? Craft dinner is like a huge thing for you. And then you're watching it in like Karate Kid 3 as like in a fight scene. And you're like, oh, yeah, macaroni was a part of this fight scene. <laughs> so the the thing I found fast. So summing up the three. But yes, um, she was totally useless. I agree with you. Um I don't even like, I think she was in something she was in a film before that, um, which I think she was kind of creating a bit of a buzz for herself. Like in the, in the teen dream world of things. I, I know I've seen her before, but I'll be honest. I'm too lazy. Um, the, the Rurik Yackel side of me is just not interested to find out where she was. No, no. I mean, it doesn't matter, but what I'm saying <laughs> is I think I, I feel like what they did was they threw her in the film just because it's like, Oh, she's, you know, this would be the girl to put in because we need to have a girl in it. There's always been a girl in it. Right. So we can't change that part of the formula. So they just picked a girl who at the time was looking like she was going to do some things. You know what I mean? A young up and comer who's got a bit of a buzz and, oh, this will be Daniel's love interest, you know, blah, blah, blah. But then there's nothing there. And then the scenes that involve her are just like, why is it? You're just looking at her like, what are you doing here? <laughs> right. No, it's very true. Um, what, what I the, did think. What I did like a lot about three the, um, is Thomas Ian Griffith when he's training Daniel in the Cobra Kai style of karate. And I think that's a very quintessential part of Daniel's character, especially when we come into the Cobra Kai aspect of things, um, because he's been to that side and he knows, you know, he's tasted, you know, the forbidden fruit, so to speak. And, you know, he breaks that guy's nose without hesitation in the middle of the dance floor. You know, and like he breaks through the wood and he learns how to beat through the pain and he makes his knuckles bleed and he hurts his foot and he goes through all this shit and through the manipulation and it develops his character further and it develops his character further in the Cobra Kai series, which I, I really enjoy. I agree. And I, th I think the the movie really does pick up when they once they finally get to the manipulation aspect of what they were um, of, you know, what. Cobra Kai was trying to do um, how they were going to try to lead him away from Mr. Miyagi and try to get him to compete in such a way. But again, the plot line only like it, it, Mr. Miyagi goes, sure, I'll train you. Movie's over. <laughs> right. Like, like what's, what's weird about it is knowing that they're the two of the best of friends and they've been together forever. And you know that Mr. Miyagi has, has a deep, um, innate nature to help daniel you decided your whole your your whole theory to break this apart is to hope they don't talk <laughs> yeah straight up i just really hope that daniel doesn't spill the beans of what he's feeling and what's going on if they had done something to vilify Miyagi yes. or something, then that would have been like elaborate and enticing. And it gives some merit to, to what's happening in the story. Right. If you, if you, if yes, it, yeah, I totally agree, Neo. If you, um, if you found a way to tarnish Mr. Miyagi's uh, uh, ideology, even. 
Totally. Or just like d- defeat, defeat, <laughs> defeat the, you know, defeat the mythos of, of, of Miyagi. Right. Or, or set him up for a, you know, like a, a sex crime or something. I don't know. <laughs> That's what everybody does these days. Anyway. <laughs> Great. So here's this. Okay. So, uh, karate one, two, three. Great. Uh, karate kid one, two, three. Um, what, what is interesting is, the new show on Netflix, and like I said, YouTube before, uh, is Cobra Kai. And this, if it, I think everybody knows about this, and I won't bore you with all these details, but this show is really about um, uh, Johnny Lawrence and his perspective from the events of 1984 All-Valley Championship and what happened to him afterwards. And... You know the the argument is oh, my 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 dog might be barking, but that's okay. Um, the 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 whole point of what they were trying to uh, encompass is what does it look like from the Johnny Lawrence standpoint from the the first Karate Kid, and which I think is very refreshing, by the way. And and uh, I, I think it's, it's a very Macchio signed on to it. He was like, "This is a because apparently he'd been pitched over the years, obviously as you would expect." several scripts and storylines and you know would you come back and be a part of this and he was like no these are all this all stinks this is all garbage like he just he pretty much shot everything down but then when he got approached with this new perspective i i I, it escapes my escapes me at the moment what he was comparing it to um but he he saw it as a as a similarity between um, another another story that got retold and how it was changed from a perspective. And he's like, see, now this is a new in- angle. This is an interesting way to approach a story that, let's be honest, got told three times, you know, the same way pretty much, you know, back in the height of its in the height of its day. So when he discovered that this is this is more Johnny show, like this isn't Daniel's it show. It is very much Johnny show. show right? He was like, okay. He's like, this is this is actually interesting. This is intriguing. I get how this flows now. And so he was like, okay, I'm totally going to be a part of it. And then they were like, okay, awesome. We also want you to be a part of the hiring. Like, so um, he was, he was, he became a very involved uh, dude as far as the whole thing, um, you know, goes. So well, I- it was cool to see someone created the idea of Johnny because he was the bad guy. But then at two, right at the beginning of two, we see that he's not such a bad guy. Well, that and that's the Just strength misled. of really. That is the strength of the the corporate guy series because the first one uh, lends you. I mean, look, Johnny handed uh, Daniel the trophy and says, "You're all you're right, right, kid. Yeah, you're, you're all right. You're all, you're all right, kid. You're all right, Larusso. Yeah, yeah, you're all right, Larusso." And then the second, we see that Johnny is only a product of the shitty teachings of John Kreese. Yes. And he's a victim of that. But what I appreciate about this show, and, and, and which is a credit past and better than the Karate Kid series, which John G. Alvinson, I think, failed at, is in the movies, there there's no... every every Everything's contradictory. I mean... You know, every movie is set up with, uh, you know, we we don't fight, we don't defend, and yet then the the climax is okay. You got to fight, you got to defend. 
Well, he, and, he's, always, he's always said karate is defense only. That's that's uh, the, of course the mantra. But but, but the, the problem I have is the arc of the characters that they they gave us because I, I it, it was very formulaic, and what Cobra Kai fixes, in my in my opinion, to these movies that you would probably go. Yeah, they're okay. But Cobra Kai brings reinterest into those stories because they decided to play. Have you ever looked at it from the perspective of the other guy? Well, it it gives validity to two movies that people had written off um, because it ties, it makes them relevant. They weren't relevant to Karate Kid as far as a franchise. Just the first movie counts when you're looking at it, right? Right. And, you know, and for me, arguably, I would say the second one, I, I, I'm a huge fan of the second one. Um, I'm just I'd for, like it. It was just I was more aware uh, of the second one. You, out of curiosity, out of curiosity you, you would like I don't mind what I'd watch the first one again. You would watch the second one with the equal passion. Absolutely. Of, OK, fair enough. And 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 for me, it's just because yeah, they're just iconic scenes. For me, the beginning of the second one is what makes the first film. Like like I, I know it's a shitty scene the way that they did it, but it really really does make the first film. The first film, if they had ended it that way, man, what an epic ending! What an epic ending! And the way that they do it in two is that it's it that's that's that is how the first one ends because of the way two starts. Right. You know what I mean? So it just it just kind of it just picks you. It's a good setup that brings you right back into the pace of the original. So, so what did you so overall? I mean, like let's look at um, now that we're into the I guess the modern version of this uh, storyline uh, of Karate Kid, Cobra Kai. Um, we're we're like we got season we got three seasons in i'm sure anybody in 2021's already binge watched this so for yourself wh- what do you think of of this format where they're going what they've done so far what do you think they've done so far that you you find that you can appreciate and that you think lends itself uh to look back on the the first trilogy and and appreciate um they've done a lot of things um firstly they've reintroduced the music that the movies had i mean in in season one you're hearing cruel summer a new rendition of cruel summer uh play as they go through and it's the exact it's almost the exact same uh type of crane shot over a football field going into the high school where when cruel summer is playing that you see in the exact first film what there's so many easter eggs to that so much homage being paid that um, until you go back and revisit the first three movies, you're probably going to miss all these little nuances of, oh, hey, that's a throwback. Oh, shit, that was a, that was a nod you know, to Karate Kid 2 right there. I mean, aside from the obvious uh, tropes, like bringing back you know, certain characters and things from, from the films, but um, what they've done is they've made the, the, the two lesser known or less, you know, less memorable movies relevant and an integral part of characters storylines that affected them to get to the point that we're watching them now i think they did a really good job also of connecting and much like you were uh suggesting they're they're bringing the old world with this new world and and you're interested as much into the storyline of these new kids as you are with the past of 
Johnny versus, you know, Daniel LaRusso. For sure, because Johnny's a relic, and th he's the relic that's bringing the past into the present. Um, without him, you know, living in the past, there's no Cobra Kai. So it's 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 quintessential that we have this guy who's stuck in that period, and he's just kind of paused himself and stagnated in life because that was you know the events of that just kind of precipitated all this other shitty things all these other shitty things and then here we find him and then it gets him to a point he's so downtrodden and he's he's reached this level you know like the bottom rung and he's reinvigorated to open a cobra kai so I, I like that i like that he's a he's a relic evolving involving himself in a time where he's not relevant at all and he's trying to catch up and you can see how uh, fish out of water he is with it all and it creates vulnerability for his character who we all thought in the 80s was a piece of shit and then when you're looking back at it you're like no this guy actually he was just a misled kid he's actually right. a good dude he lost in a respectable way he didn't want to do anything but crease made him you know, go dirty and, 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 you know, cause an injury to his leg and so forth. So you start be you start really, you know, sympathizing with the guy and he becomes really fucking cool, man. Like I like John, I think like, yeah, he's got his pig headed, you know, uh, you know, devolved thinking at times, but he's a fucking cool dude. Like he's actually just a cool guy. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, man. Yeah. Come on. The, the, uh, the show is interesting because it is, it's interesting how, They've managed this is an interesting show because they managed to blend this, I guess, nostalgic piece of, of I guess history for cinemaphiles uh, like ourselves. And it blends the line between it's corny, there are some corny factors to it, or campness. At the same time, they're they they found I think the right rhythm that they were trying to they, they balance the lines between this old story that was told in the eighties and made, they, they make fun of it, but at the same time they respect it. Totally. And, that, and that's very hard to do. Like they're true and, to and, themselves. And, and any, and any more on, on one side or the other can, can really hurt the show. You camp it up too much. It becomes a parody. It, you make it too serious it becomes unbelievable. Well, well, that the, they do the same thing. Campy is too cheesy, too serious, too cheesy, because it's not a show to be taken seriously. You can't. It's just the premise isn't there. It's a martial art Degrassi Junior High. Yeah, and, right, right. And, and we have to like bear and keep that in mind. Why it doesn't go certain places? Because ultimately, it's not designed. That's not the story. And Karate Kid was never supposed to be that way in its construction either. This is a target audience we're thinking about in its original creation. And these are young teens and adolescents that we're talking about. And we're talking about, you know, middle school kids that might be experiencing bullying and shit like that. So we can't go certain places with the storyline and with the plots because ultimately you're going to have a drop in viewership and what show wants that, right? Nobody wants that. There's always an angle right. of, of this has to be entertaining for the people that we're trying to target because there's goals like that. So I think this, this show, um, it knows where to poke fun of itself in, in, in from, from back in the day. It, yeah. knows, it knows where to take its cheap shots at itself. And then it knows where it's got to focus as well, which is why you've got this really cool writing 
where you can see so many possibilities that are all plausible and it could go any which way and any which way that you can think of are all really interesting because it's like this is going to because it's always conflict without conflict in any story. Um, as you and I have discussed before, <clears throat> if you a comedy, a Disney film, no matter what it is, there has to be an issue without a problem. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, I mean, that's you're right. Exactly. Conf, conflict, uh, drama, uh, obviously, is the only way it exists, right? Remember, uh, you've got the briefcase. You got to get the briefcase back. Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't matter that the type of movie. There's always got to be an issue, and they, they do a good job at at spawning. Um, what I would call for the type type of show that it is uh, reasonable conflicts, understandable conflicts. When it I comes mean, to- I think they do. I think they do blur those lines uh, a bit, especially in season three. I think some of them it's overreached um, with the you know a group of group uh, <laughs> group of Cobra Kai uh, breaking into the Larusso home. And, you know, getting into, you know, a, a huge melee of, of, you know, fighting stuff. Having said that, I think it's salvaged. Like, why I don't buy that, I find that, they, like, they, they need to, they need to find a fine line to make sure that they don't overreach. And it's not like that you don't call the police. <laughs> Having said that, they do find the balance when... You got like Daniel, Johnny, and going up against guys like John Kreese in his own dojo. Yeah, like when when I'm speaking about like character conflict, I'm I'm talking more of like the metaphysical than the actual like you know physical. Where we're like when I'm when For I'm sure. talking about like why why Tara and and um uh, what's Mary Mouser's character name escapes me right now. You know, why why those two, you know, go at each other, why there's an issue, you know, with Robbie and um, Miguel, like there's just the way that you can see it, it makes sense in the sense of, yeah, these are teenagers. Of course, he would be jealous seeing that. Oh, yeah, that makes sense that this would happen. Oh, yeah, that would. Of course, she would be jealous. You know, like it just because you're thinking about how you know, teens would interpret these types of behaviors and then how they would respond. And then you're seeing what they're being taught how to respond in, you know, through violence or whatever type of aggression. And it makes total sense. It's it's totally easy. It's totally easy to take the bullied and turn them into bullies. Because sure. you, flip, you flip the script and give them the power. And it, and it's it's just a great, it's, it shows you how Cobra Kai really works. I, I found it interesting in season three though. Um, I, I felt it was kind of in uh disingenuous how some characters uh flip the script to uh, to take yeah. a quote script, yeah. um I, I thought uh you know i thought uh hawk obviously um the the scene in the larusso home and in him finding suddenly some some light in between the the, the cracks of what he's built what wasn't sold enough for me um having having said that i mean i'm, I'm not i'm not against the the character arc i just didn't buy it as quickly as as they were trying to sell sell to me no if there was a thousand other times where he could have made that decision i don't know right about that situation that draw it didn't there wasn't any continuity in why that situation made him decide to go back to being loyal to his bro. There was 
a hundred. The very first time that he was a dick to him was a time that that could have happened. And every other preceding, you know, time or sorry, or time, successive time after that would have been right. an opportunity. Why all of a sudden now? Oh, because you realize you, you've just committed a fucking home invasion. <laughs> going to the penitentiary for fucking 10 years. Like, right. yeah, yeah. not just a home invasion, a home invasion and fucking assault, aggravated assault. There's weapons in there. These guys are using dishes and like it was, it's insane. And, and you're right. That was getting a bit excessive but that was the duplication of uh seasons two's finale that's the one thing i I, the only my hesitation i guess is what i don't want is it gets i I know every season they're they're trying to outdo the first season first season you get a fight uh which was at the all valley tournament second season obviously the high school fight third season was the all-out brawl inside a home and, and I'm not against any of that. I, I know it's appealing to a certain audience. I high school know. fight was awesome. Love the high school fight because at first you're like, oh, yeah, no, they're getting to do a fight in the halls. And then it just keeps escalating. And then you're like, holy fuck. And then it's now it's just broken. And you like, it's 10 minutes later and you're like, holy shit. Like they're actually going balls to the wall about this. And then at the end, it's super climactic. You're like, oh, th- this is Miguel dying. Like, cause he looks dead on those stairs, man. It looks like he snapped his neck and they did that intentionally the way they laid him there. It looks like his neck is fucking busted. And you're just like, <gasps> what? Because you don't, you, that's the last thing you're expecting this show to do is deliver a death. You know, like, like, you know what I mean? No, absolutely. Um, and, and they say, they salvage it and they make it this, you know, this new bond. Like, that's what I mean. It's cool writing. They they used something that most yeah, times no, ends a character and they found a way to roll it and create a new bond. I will, formulate things, I will right? give them credit. Absolutely. They, they do. The writers right now currently are, are doing some smart, um, uh, smart writing. They, they understand the tone and exactly which they need to play this, I guess. And I said before, you know, too much, too low of any, of any on any side of the uh, equation can really hurt the show. And right now they're really finding that balance and they're doing a very good job of it. Which is you, the mass appeal, right? Because right. Do you, at the end of season three, we, we saw um, John Kreese uh, make a phone call. Do you, do you think that is to Terry Silver? It, I, it couldn't be to anybody else, in my opinion. Well, out, out, outside of uh, what was the other uh, kid's name that they, that they used to fight uh, Daniel in part three? Matt? Uh, Barnes, Mike Barnes. Mike Barnes. That's you don't right. think out of curiosity, you don't you don't think that uh, it, it could go that way too? Uh, I don't think so because they've already foreshadowed it being Terry Silver, and they did it when they flash back to Vietnam, and you've got a guy who looks strikingly like Thomas Ian Griffith and Terry I, Silver I, going, "I'm here whenever you need me. I got your back. You just give me a call, and I'm there." Mike Barnes was a, a fucking mercenary. He was I think that's my favorite team. part of the show, to be honest, is they've done that twice. And I like that the writers know that they think we are watching something and then they give you the fucking finger. And they did that first right when we met Terry Silver, which didn't end up being Terry Silver. And the other one was when they were talking about the doctor and she you know, had her back turned. We thought it was going to be Elizabeth uh, Shue. And and then she turned around and it wasn't. And they like kind of 
they're like kind of tugging us a little bit that way. It's like you think that's what this person is, but it's but it's not. And I appreciate that. And see, the only this is the thing though is that there's no setup from any of the previous Karate Kid films, which is where this is all stemming from, that bring in a character that owes at their beck and call their fucking loyalty in life to John Kreese. And then in Cobra Kai, they show you that he's, you know, they basically attribute him saving the POWs, which is not even what happened. It's the airstrike. But but like the guy's looking at him. And then you discover that in the third film, you've got Terry saying, like, this guy saved my life dozens of times, like numerous times. Time right. Time right. Time. So who else is the guy going to call? I mean, yeah, call fair enough. Mike Mike Barnes is a goon for hire. He was literally brought in and paid. He has no allegiance to these guys. He's in it for the check. That's it. That's all. So he's not one of their boys. He's not even a Cobra Kai member. He's just a he's a fringe guy. He's he's a he's a ringer. So I mean, he's not calling some dipshit like that who he barely had any interaction with. He's totally calling his bro Terry, who's a Cobra Kai guy who purchased twenty Cobra Kai locations in the third film think about that like there's a there's an angle right there well what if this rich phil you know philanthropic maniacal crazy psycho who owes another piece of shit a bunch of favors decides to come in and you've got the merging of uh johnny and daniel's you know teachings into one dojo and they decide you know what because we're going we've brought it back to the tournament scenario we've gone back to the first season kind of finale aspect well maybe you're gonna have to fight like 20 dojos like, he, like, where, where, like uh, do you, how, how long in the in in season four do you see uh uh eagle fang and uh you know miyagi do actually surviving uh maybe episode three episode four you're right episode four to six i'd say is what you're gonna max out they might they might throw a you know, a ringer at us and it doesn't, it, that could be the climactic ending of four. I mean, you don't know, you know that every season finale is a climactic ending that opens up. And we know that we've got at least two to three seasons of contract worth for Cobra guys. So what, I, what would you like to see in season four? I, out of curiosity. I want to see a death. You, you think, yeah, you want to see a death. You, you like, let's be honest. Robbie's useless. Robbie, Robbie's a useless character. He's arced. Um, you're only gonna repeat the arc of him. He's not. Oh, really there's only there's only one redemption for him in, in 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 the character. I mean, just push him all bad and just stick with it. Make him the the new make him make him John Kreese. a battle his own. Make him story. John Kreese's Johnny. Totally, totally, and and and, and like, nothing to do with this khaki pant Robbie. He's boring, and he does nothing for the storyline. Here's the thing: he's got a sinister look to him. Like the 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 kid can pull off looking like a delinquent little fucking sneaky shit really really well. Um, secondly, you, he was already introduced as as a you know reprobate little bastard. So I mean, and he is in all sense of the term a bastard. Um, his parents, his mom's a, I mean, she's in rehab for crying out loud. She, he's the, he's the aloof child. He's the one that's just kind of been forgotten about. So it makes, I mean, you can't develop him any further without having to develop the character of his mom. Nobody wants that. There's no story there. It's irrelevant to Cobra Kai and Karate Kid. 
So the only thing you can do is go at it through the Johnny angle, but that's already been done. And it's already been done through the LaRusso angle of him being like a surrogate father in a way. And now you've got these two guys merged and Johnny's off. He's in a standoff position. So you bring Terry Silver in. Now you've got this ultimate trifecta, which is, you know, a huge thing. It's you've got two. I mean, basically, Daniel and Johnny are both in a position against all three of these because they're intimate. You know, Johnny's not intimate with Terry, but he's intimate with with the, uh, you know, as far as Crease and his kid. So they've got stake in, you know, what all the decisions that are being made by all these characters. And the only thing you can do now is have Johnny try and save Robbie. But that's right. how it's been done because Daniel LaRusso has already tried to save Robbie. Robbie's gone back. So let's just make Robbie commit to this. He knows this. He was introduced like this. He's got all the hallmarks of why he would be this way. You've set him up for it. You've set him up to be a villain. He's got the shitty parents. He's got the rough upbringing. He's got the criminal background. He's been to fucking jail because he physically assaulted and fucking broke the back of a guy in a fucking fist fight. Like, he's making the bad guy. No, <laughs> this, yeah, no, I, I think I also think that too. I think uh, um, Robbie is ultimately uh, just, I think the arc is done on him unless they decide to do something that really shakes up that, uh, that character. Um, I don't, I don't see anything really interesting coming from that. Uh, what do you, you could get a kill off. Like if we could see Chris killed, uh, Chris killed off and then have like, let's say Terry silver and Robbie, because with Terry silver, you've got the money backing him. Right. So you could have the biggest threat, I think to, you know, Miyagi-Do and Eagle Fang and their, you know, their merger, even if they're, you know, break up at some point would be a bunch of Cobra Kai's out there. That would be something that they would be like, no, we have to shut this down. Right. So that would be a threat. So I could see that being a perpetual thing as far as a storyline going, going forward. You get off crease and you have Robbie inherit Cobra Kai. Do you, uh, just because, uh, we're going to quickly wrap this up. Uh, the next Karate Kid with Hilary Swank and, Swank and uh, Michael Ironside. And Mr. Miyagi's last turn to be Mr. Miyagi, Pat Morita. Um, this came out in 94. Um, do you see any of these guys making an appearance into this particular storyline? Uh, that one, it's a toss-up for me. I don't really know. I, I, I'm, I doubt it. Obviously, the possibility exists. It's always there, but I doubt it. I don't think it was enough of a enough of a film to be. I don't think most people that enjoyed the first Karate Kid, the second Karate Kid, even if they you know didn't enjoy the third Karate Kid, but watched it because of how much they appreciate the first or slightly the second film, I don't think they connected with four at all. And I think it. I think because of that, it's not very memorable. Or it's a tough movie. Or is a, a hard I watch. Horrible. I don't think it's horrible in the sense of it's no. It's not really as bad, or it's no worse in my opinion than like three. You know what I mean? Like if if it well, I think it's worse. <laughs> I, I do. I, I really, and only because maybe because they try to introduce new characters, and they didn't give them. Um, like it. It was is uh banal it was it was boring it was porridge it was like i i found that compared to three at least we had the respect of at least knowing the relationship between two people 
this even the fight scene at the end of part four i, I it was it was literally two two punches fight and 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 that's it, it and it maybe they didn't want to show a guy hitting a girl <laughs> he See, threw dirt he literally threw mud in her eye and, and this so is what blinded and this is why i don't think it's uh, like and here's and here's why i'm changing like this is why i think it's not as bad you know Go ahead. i think it's not as worse as because Again, if we're looking at the target audience, I mean, we only watch that film because it's got the title Karate Kid involved in it. That's the only reason. But if you look at who would have been anticipating and really wanting to see it, we're talking about young girls. That movie was made for young girls. So we're not going to appreciate it. And, and, and by and large, um, you know, let's, let's go with rom-coms. How many men really enjoy rom-coms and appreciate the comedy in rom-coms? Four. Like, like, there's only one rom-com I like. You know what it is? It's Trainwrecked. That's it. That's all. I don't like any of them outside of that. I thought that one was great. Good cast. But for me, that comedy is hokey. It's tropey. It's really extra silly. It's people falling down and tripping. You know, things like that. It's slapsticky and just not... It's cornballish to me. So I think this was a merger of that kind of vibe. And then you've got it in a really corny period. I'm sorry, but like mid-90s. That's a corny period to do. Hey, you think about the movies that came out in 94, like Pulp Fiction, Forrest Gump, and then this thing just kind of slid in there like a fucking wet turd. Well, um, <laughs> you, you, can't, you can't help but think like, you know, maybe we didn't, you know, judge the time correctly on, on this bad boy. Um, I, I, I won't lie. Um, I wouldn't be upset if Hillary Swank came back and at least at some level um, – maybe fixed uh the just part four i i, I would i wouldn't be upset hillary swank's sure. a great a actress I agree. and, and I, I, don't think it, I don't think it i don't think it upset i don't think it upset the uh corporate kai continuum no. um especially for the female angle and the, and the girl you could balance it out through sam and tara you could exactly balance it out with those characters so that's what i mean like i'm i'm 50 50 like i totally see the plausibility and the relevance to it um, and yeah, because the female aspect's a big part. So that's what, and again, and now that you're mentioning it, it, it does make sense in the Cobra Kai aspect why we're seeing more female involvement, not just because of the sign of our present time and where we're living in as a society, but right. also because that precedent has been set with the fourth film because Miyagi is still the center, the center ground there, right? So we've got that option. And you're right. I could see her coming in and just, you know, maybe coaching Sam. You know what I mean? Like, Okay, here I can show you some things that Miyagi showed me as a female. Yes, you know, I mean like, obviously, obviously Daniel Larusso would have known about 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 her uh, Hillary Swank's character um, uh, because we're led to they, believe they, they wouldn't have lost contact. They, uh, well, they didn't lose contact because we also know that Daniel was there when he died. We also know they had a relationship, of course, the from the Cobra Kai storyline that they were best friends, almost you know father son relationship across the across the board. So we'll assume that he would have uh, talked about him, about uh, Julie, uh, totally. the, Hillary Swank's character. So we'll assume that um, I, I, I would look forward to uh, at least Hillary Swank, maybe uh, an appearance like Elizabeth Shue did. And, um, and, and that, brings up, that brings up a good point when you're saying like her coming in to clean up for, that's basically what the revisiting of these characters, like yes, when, you, it is. when you've got the characters um, from, you know, Karate Kid 2, 
And then potentially, you know, what I what I would bet my rent money on is Terry Silver coming through in season four. When you've got these like revisited characters, they're all cleaning up all of those movies. So it perfectly does go like it's in synchronicity with it to for them to bring her back in the sense of, well, when you're when you're looking at the fact that they brought back fucking chosen and when you're looking, you know what I mean? In in uh, yep. Kabuki or whatever her name is, uh, when you're bringing these characters back to make two and three more relevant and make more sense today than they did back then, then, you know, logically, it, yeah, it would be. Yeah, they're, they're, they're not afraid to uh, go back and bring up uh, like characters um, from the past and they're doing it very uh, sequentially. So totally. we're we're watching these characters come back in the in the order in which they were introduced to us in the first Karate Kid, and, I, and so and I, I appreciate that. I, I love um, I love in when Elizabeth Shue when Ali revisits how she explains how the relationship ended and why his car was fucked up at the beginning of the second one. Cause he says, I actually crashed my car and she, you know, left with some other guy and she told totally, me like, no, the brakes went out on the car. I tried to tell you about that. And then you got jealous over this other dude. He turned out to be a Johnny. Yeah. They, they, they do a cute job of going back into the movies and then uh, trying to create uh, storylines behind everybody's misinterpretation of what their facts are. And that's really what, uh, the movie is all about it's about perception um, perception between uh, Daniel LaRusso Johnny Lawrence and perception between Neil Guevara and Rourke Eckel Neil uh, I hope uh, you uh, get a chance to uh, um, enjoy Cobra Kai season four I think that will probably be out in the next probably year or two um I just, but i want to go i do want to point out how they did make it so that it seemed like john uh daniel is the bully and not johnny that daniel came through as this nobody into a new town and sniped away a girl that uh johnny is trying to rebuild the relationship of and then learns karate to kick his ass i uh that we didn't really it, mention but well no it, but yeah and I, yeah we totally didn't mention that um i also think that at the end of the day we all know that johnny was a bully um and he made it clear, and, and, right and they made it clear in the in the show too he's had when a couple you, when you look at back like it's, it's just i just like how they take it and they show you this version of like well but you can see how you know he would get defensive over what you know ralph and shio was doing based on the personality that we know him to have through cobra kai so well, that's again that's the, really the, the show is about per that that perception right totally what, what we know of our heroes aren't exactly what we thought they were so and, and i just love it at that town meeting where it's like it totally shows like this was another good point about how throwing back to the old school and being relevant to today there was a really good showcasing of modern society when they're at the school meeting about the huge fight that took place and uh, Daniel Russo is sitting there and he's like, you can't reinstate this guy for the tournament. He's Cobra Kai. He's bullied me my whole life and da -da -da did all this. And you hear some guy, yeah, that's not the way we heard it, buddy. Yeah, we heard you were the bully. Yeah, and you stole his girlfriend. And he's just sitting there. He's like, I can't even talk to these people. He's so flustered. He's like, oh my fucking God. Like, like right. Yeah, what, no. What a beautiful painting of today's fucking world. Yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> absolutely uh neo thanks for being here as always on uh be kind please rewind this 
has been the president's neck is missing. I am Rourke Yackle. I don't know if I even introduced myself tonight. Uh, but thanks very much. Uh, we will be back next week. We are going to be back a lot more and more because, I don't know, we finally got our heads out of our asses. Is that what it is? No, we I got our heads out of our asses. Yours and then yours is in mine now. Yeah, that's so what you. it was. Uh, thanks, everybody. I appreciate it. Thank you. This has been The President's Neck is Missing, your quasi-intellectual guide to today's modern world. Catch these idiots once again in our next episode.